Live from the Tech Talk Studios in the nation's capital and the heartland of America. It's Tech Talk. Well, guess what time it is? It's Friday. It's time for Tech Talk. I'm Brad Koss, my co-host, the Data Doc of Talk, Dr. Jay Greenstein. Jay, how are you doing, man? What's up, brother? I'm doing great. It's Friday, and we're back on Tech Talk, so I'm pretty stoked. We are, and we've got sort of a, a special case here. We're broadcasting this live for the Illinois Chiropractic Society and our good friend there, Mark. And uh, we've invited some great guests with us today. And, and you're going to ask the question, why are we doing uh, lawyer kind of things? But actually, we're trying to show that technology is advancing, even in the educational aspect of it. And you've not been using TikTok for that uh, realm anyway for the last year, is trying to help docs understand things from a fun and learning kind of way also. So today, we've got two great guests. They're both friends of ours uh, for a very long time. Uh, one, Miss Kim Driggers. Kim is uh, a friend of ours from the Florida Chiropractic Association. Uh, she is the Assistant General Counsel for the FCA and one of our close friends. And her fiance, Mr. Steve Jaffe. Steve is a, a mediator for Upton, Watson, White, and Max Mediation Group uh, out of Florida, Fort Lauderdale, I believe. So, Kim, Steve, welcome to Tech Talk. Thanks, Brad. Happy to be here. Hey, guys. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, it's great. Listen, we're going to get into talking a little bit about auto accident, managing risk, and recovering from treatment uh, when a Cairo performs it. And so let's 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 let uh, let's let Jay ask you and start off in, into the questions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is a great topic. I'm so glad that you guys are here with us today. Thank you so much for spending time with Brad and I. Um, so, yeah, so the first question I have for you all is, like, when the coverage limits are not enough to cover the doctor bills, like, what happens? What, what are the actions that providers need to take, both with the attorney but also with patients? Because they're really serving two customers, right? You've got to serve the client, uh, the, the patient, and you've also got to do a good job with the attorney so they send you more business. So maybe you can share with us, you know, when the coverage limits are not enough to cover the doctor bills, what should the doctor do? All right, well, let me start here um, and just for the audience to let them know that, you know, I'm um, licensed, Steve and I are licensed to practice in Florida. We do know Steve. I did find out, though, that um, Illinois has 2550 in mandatory BI, no PIP. Um, it, it sounds like it's optional med pay. And um, also for the audience, I sued insurance companies when they denied those medical bills. Thank you. Sue um, those bastards. <laughs> and Steve, for a very long time, he did class action work, but he also did personal injury work. So he was the one working with the doctor. So we're kind of coming at it from a little bit of a different way. Um, so I'm going to toss that one to you, Steve. And when there's not enough coverage, what happens? Sure. So in the early part of my career, I worked for the largest advertiser in the state of Florida. This is well before Morgan and Morgan exploded. Uh, and so I had a very high volume practice. And uh, what is most important here is the idea of having relationships with doctors. If you don't have good relationships with, with, with a handful of lawyers, you're going to get in trouble. So if there's, if for example, in Illinois, if there's a $25,000 limit on the bodily injury coverage, you need to know that right away. All right? You cannot be having bills that run up to twelve dollars or $15,000. So the communication with the lawyer as to what coverages are is important to garner expectations, all right? And so you have to be careful because at the end of the day, if you run up a very high bill and there's nothing left for the lawyer and or the client, there's going to be a problem and you're going to ultimately be reducing your bill. Now that has to be something that you know in advance. So you either control the amount of your bill or you do whatever you need to do and, ex and understand that there will be a bill reduction at the end of the case because there's just not enough money to go around. Steve, man, I love what you just said. And there are three key words that I hope every single person in the audience heard, which was relationship, communication, and expectations. I mean, those are, those are critically important. So, so thank you for that. Um, when it comes to like 
how to make sure you're not paid last because you know there's a lot of people after this money the patient goes to the ER or they go to the ortho or primary care then they get to you so like how can how can we as doctors of chiropractic do our best to get paid first um, most I don't know if Illinois has a lien law most states if they have one it's really hard to enforce you know sometimes the hospitals have the lien law so they get paid first um, if there's optional med pay you know as you treat you should be able to get some of that medical payments coverage in Florida we have no fault we have PIP so we do get paid in the beginning um, for the first ten thousand dollars but you know you can't Again, it goes back to Steve saying relationships because at the end of the day, when that lawyer representing your patient is sitting down with his client and there's that pot of money and then there's five or six different medical bills to pay, the MRI, the ER balance, maybe an ambulance balance, you know, it's a little bit subjective, I hate to say it. If there's letters of protection, that's gonna help you better. Maybe we can talk about that, you know, in a little bit. Yeah. But um, it goes back to relationships, you know, and sometimes you're going to take less on one because, you know, there might be only $10,000 in coverage, but your job is still you want to treat that patient and get that patient better. But relationships, follow up, calling, and that's not part really you want to treat your patients and you don't want to worry about that business aspect of it, but it's just part of risk analysis and, and getting paid if you're going to want to do PI work. What, what typically... So did I hear you correctly, Kim, that, that... Go ahead, Brad. No, I was going to ask, typically, what percentage of that bill is the attorney, the lawyer, looking for whenever there is a, a case like that? So, in Florida, there's a, uh, a set attorney's fee, and it's 33 and a third before litigation is, is uh, con commenced, and then 40% thereafter. There are certain law firms that charge lesser fees so you can always go down, you just can't go up, okay? Um, so, but, but back to the, the, the initial question, how do you get paid first? Well, Kim, did I understand there's no PIP in, uh, in Illinois? So they're probably using health insurance from dollar one or letters of protection. With regard to health insurance, you have one year to get submitted. So obviously the quicker you submit, you open the account and submit, start submitting your bills, the quicker you're gonna see a uh, return of, of money. Uh, regarding your bill. Letters of protection is probably the, the other way that you're going to get paid and that then reverts back to that relationship. If you don't have relationships, you'll be last to get paid and it will be ugly. So it's very crucial that in my opinion, if I all the counsel that I do to the, my friends that are chiropractors, have four or five, don't have 30, have four or five guys that you're buddies with. Or girls. They can call or women. <laughs> or girls. <laughs> mm -hmm. Buddy, buddies is buddies is non-gender uh, 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 um, that you can call up and get people into your the chiropractic office within a few hours or a day. Have it's about customer service, and so at the end of the day, when when it's time to divvy up the money, uh, because you have a letter of protection, that lawyer is your is your friend. He's not going to want to hurt you, so it's going to be equity, fairness. So that's what it goes back to expectations goal setting and making sure everyone understands what's going on. There's, there are certain limits. Yeah, I love what you said, guys, because um, that's, that's how we've built our practices. And we have, we have a wide variety of ways that we bring in new patients, everything from social to physician referrals, but also a few small but strong attorney relationships. And it's, it's like you say, Kim, you know, sometimes you have to you know, take a little bit bigger of a hit on one case in order to help the attorney, they're your, he's also, or she's also your friend, so you're trying to do them a favor, and they'll take care of you when they can the next time. And I think that's how really strong business relationships work. Whether it's attorney relationships or other relationships, that's how they work. So it's really sage advice. And, and again, I just want to emphasize the point that you don't have to have every attorney referring you business. You develop a few really strong relationships that you can refer back to and that you can take care of and provide that customer service that Steve, you were talking about. And you know, you're gonna win 10 times out of 10. So- You know, on some, of the, on, some of the, on some of the provider communication lines that I watch over, you know, attorneys and dealings with attorneys are not always uh, happy cases. Steve, Kim, typically do you do you not get paid until the final resolution when the provider releases the patient? How does the payment schema work 
uh, when you're dealing in an accident like this? Steve, I'll go ahead. Go ahead. Sure. Sure. Well, if you're asking if the attorney's fee, the attorneys get paid, how they get paid, and that answer is it's all on the back end. Uh, if there's not a recovery, there is no attorney's fees. There are no attorney's fees. Um, and, and the same goes with costs. Generally, you eat your costs if there's no recovery. Um, so it's a non-risk to the, to the injured person. Um, but again, it's an attorney's fees contract that's signed upon, upon uh, retaining the lawyer, and it spells it out as to what the percentage of the recovery will be. And it is paid at the end of the case via a closing statement where a lawyer should itemize every nickel and dime that has been uh, uh, achieved from a, a monetary standpoint and then all expenses, uh, medical bills caught and all cost to the nickel, showing the net to the client. I'm really curious, what do you, And then everybody signs off. What are your guys' opinion on having the settlement sheet shared with the provider? Like if a provider is being asked to take a reduction, do you guys think it's necessary, appropriate, a good idea for the attorneys to share that information so they can see they're not necessarily being screwed by the attorney? Especially if it's like a first-time attorney and you've never worked with them before. You'd like to set up a relationship, but you want to make sure you're not getting screwed. So what are you guys' thoughts on that? So, I, you know, I get a lot of calls from our members very frustrated because they have no negotiating power because the lawyer calls and asks for, for that discount and they won't give up the closing statement. Um, I've got a letter um, for our members that I'll send them that cites to the Florida bar rules. There's actually a bar rule that says when there's a dispute on a case like that, that the lawyer has to give them an accounting of the bills, hmm. which to me is a settlement statement, but they never want to give it up. They, they say that, you know, it's confidential information and, um, you know, but I try to get the lawyers to give it to them. Um, oftentimes it doesn't happen. It's a good idea because otherwise you're negotiating from, you have no idea what the settlement was, how much the other bills are. And yep. cer certainly there are plenty of times where the doctor will say, if you take a, a hit on your fee, I'll take a hit on my fee. Um, you know, personal injury lawyers, uh, don't often agree with that because they're waiting just as long as as you are for your money they're taking the risk um, up, up front but in in not getting paid anything whatsoever so um, for that risk you know they say you know we get we get paid first and the Florida bar rules will allow them to get paid first yeah it's really interesting though because the value that's created in the case is oftentimes driven by the bills that are created by the provider and so we're the ones actually creating value for the case. The attorneys tend to capture that value and that's their role in the whole kind of tripartite system here between patient, provider, and attorney. Um, we've been pretty successful at getting uh, information from the attorneys that we work with on the settlement amount. They want to be honest with us so that we're like, okay, we understand and we'll, we'll take the reduction right. for you. Steve? Two yeah. things. Lawyers look at it different than you just did. The bills, although that you would argue they drive the value of the case, I would argue the injuries drive the value of the case. Sure. And as the medical provider, you are obviously capturing in with great notes and documenting the injuries that were sustained in the motor vehicle accident. And that's where the value of the case. Yeah, sure. Is. Certainly, you get paid for your services rendered, as as do the lawyers. Um, but it goes back to relationships. If you're working with four or five uh, uh, chiropractors and four or five lawyers, then sharing of a closing statement and sharing a reduction in an attorney's fee shouldn't be a big deal. If I want to take advantage of that chiropractor and not share my closing statement, but yet tell them I'm taking the same haircut you are, oftentimes that's a lie. Yeah. And so uh, uh, I'm just sorry. It's just the yeah, truth. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. It's, but, 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 but your friend would not lie right. to you. That's, that's the, the key. That's the key, Steve, 100%. So if, if a... Um, if a provider says, like, no, I'm not going to accept the reduction, and there's a $10,000 bill, and the attorney says, okay, well, um, like, what happens next? Like, can the attorney still settle the case? Um, is it, isn't it ultimately the patient's or the client's responsibility to pay the bill, assuming that the financial policy of the chiropractor is in order and the patient signed that document? So ultimately, the patient's responsible, are they not? Kim, you want to take it? take it. The answer to that question is a resounding yes. So there is a little okay. bit of leverage that the provider has, a little bit. No question, but but 
the, the provider does, but how many providers in your practice, and I don't need to really answer, uh, is in the business of suing their clients? Yeah, oh, 100% agree. For collection, yep, it's a nightmare. For collection matters. It's bad business, yep. so you really don't want to do that. You do that with social media the way it is, you're going to get blasted all over China. But the point is, it's, it, it is factually accurate. They've signed a piece of paper saying, ultimately, regardless of the case, you're responsible to me. It's a lawyer's obligation, an ethical lawyer's obligation, to not do a closing statement until all medical bills have been accounted for and agreed mm-hmm. to, in my yeah. opinion. That's great. That's great feedback. That's awesome. Um, so, Brad, I know we've been we've been going quite some time now. I guess it's time for a break, unfortunately. But I love this conversation because you get to learn so much about the, the relationship between uh, the attorney and the chiropractor that can really drive growth in your business, but also reduce the risk that you have of really losing out on new business and also losing out on money for your cases. So this is great, great conversation. So, so excited to continue it after the break, guys. Let's do that. Let's take a short break. I'm Brad Cost, Dr. Jay Greenstein. We're here with Kim Driggers and Steve Jaffe. We'll be right back. You're listening to Tech Talk. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, this is Dr. Jay Greenstein. This is Jay Greenstein. With me today is Dr. Jay Greenstein. Dr. Jay Greenstein. The world around us and healthcare specifically is changing at an exponential pace. Chiropractic is perfectly positioned like we have never been right now today to be more successful and to be more impactful for the communities and patients that we serve. There are all sorts of evidence-based guidelines that, that support the use of non-pharmacological approaches. But what I want America to know is that health doesn't come from a pill. It's our responsibility as healthcare providers to educate the community about the evidence that exists. We really need to have a private practice app, something that will help us engage with our patients in ways that they've never experienced before. The intersection of technology and quality care is where the future of healthcare is at, and I'm really excited to bring that forward in the future. As a Cairo Health USA provider, we're excited to work with you to identify which of your discounts are good, bad, or illegal. Most chiropractors bend over backwards to make their care affordable. Unfortunately, dual fee schedules, false claims, inducement violations, and time of service discounts can all put you at risk. And no offense, everybody's doing it doesn't work with auditors. At Cairo Health USA, we're here to help protect and grow your practice. Just listen to our provider stats. 20% overall practice growth versus 2019. Over 50% of CHUSA patients renew their membership year after year. Over 2,500 patients per month use our provider search directory to find a CHUSA provider. At Cairo Health USA, our purpose is simple. It's to improve the quality of life for our doctors, their teams, and their patients. With over 5,000 providers and nearly a million patients, Cairo Health USA is the network that works for chiropractic. For more information, call 888-719-9990 or visit www.chirohealthusa.com. Listen to the future of healthcare with the data jocks of talk. It's Tech Talk. Welcome back. This is Tech Talk. Brad Cost. Dr. Jay Greenstein. We're talking with our Florida connection today with uh, Ms. Kim Driggers and Steve Jaffe, uh, our good friends from the Florida Chiropractic Association. Uh, and we've been, we've been talking about auto accident, the lawyer effects of that. And you guys were talking earlier about these letters of protections. I'm not an attorney. I'm not a Cairo. But explain to us, we're talking about documenting here and getting some kind of upfront expectation of protection. Can you explain that, Kim? That's exactly right, an expectation of protection. So it really is what it says. I'm protecting you. The doctor is asking the lawyer to protect me in my bills because I'm treating your patient and I am going to be waiting a year or two years or three years in order to get paid. And in exchange for that, because there is no immediate insurance, 
I will, you sign this letter of protection and promise when there is a settlement that you will pay me. So a lot of times, I mean, in the past, you know, a lot of our doctors say they weren't getting these letters of protection. Friend or no friend, um, when I practice, and Steve can comment on this, I wanted that letter of protection because it protected me, the lawyer for your patient, my client, and I say, listen, there's a, you signed this letter of protection, client, so we have to pay this doctor. Um, so it really protected protects the lawyer as well. That's great feedback. Is, is that considered a legal agreement, Kim, or is it just just as it is? It's a letter of protection, an indication. It is a legal agreement. Um, you know, I've Steve. I don't know if you've seen one actually go to court then sue. They they yes. do with the Florida bar. Um, you know, if if a lawyer goes ahead and gives the client money without honoring letters of protection, knowing that that letter of protection existed, there are consequences through the state um, bar. But I don't know, Steve. You've seen one actually be litigated? Absolutely. It's a breach of contract. You got. You got the right people signing it. There's consideration, the delay of payment, promise to pay, straight breach of contract, and uh, courts do not f look kindly on lawyers who do not pay doctors. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Why? Doctors, Why? I know, Problem I know the is, audience loves to hear that. But hang on, but hang on. <laughs> Problem is, if your bill is twelve thousand dollars, you're going to go hire a lawyer. They're going to charge. Let's just make up a number, three or four thousand dollars to do the case. You're, you see what I'm saying? You're going to net X amount. And that's why you should understand that and be willing to compromise because the alternative is to get in a lawsuit, protracted, spend more money to get some type of ROI. Yeah, protracted is a key word there as well. But Sorry, that, also, that also brings to the point where it is a contract, so you can draft well, the letter of protection as you see fit. So the one I've drafted for our membership, you know, has... Um, something in there about being able to get the um, statement at the end, it, the patient signs off that you can have that statement to see how, how much others are being paid. And you could potentially put in there an attorney fee provision if it has to go to court, the prevailing party gets attorney's fees, but an astute lawyer who reads it is most likely gonna say, listen, I'm not gonna sign that part of it. But right. it's a contract and you can put what you want in it. That's great you feedback, you guys. And Kim, if Kim, if you maybe would be willing to share that with with Mark from um, the ICS, that would be awesome. Okay. Can I can I ask a, a question, uh, Brad? I know you were going to say something, but really quick, I'm older. That's well, okay. I'm not older yeah. than you, but I might I might I might get I might be more senile. Um, you got longer so hair. So I'm really than curious I to know. I got longer hair. Um, <laughs> it's affecting my my thinking. Um, Could be. I'm really curious to know about a story, a time, a case where a chiropractor just completely um, just screwed the whole thing up, right? And just the case went awry because he or she had their heads up their butts. And then, But I also want to know the flip side, where maybe there was a challenging or difficult case, but because the chiropractor did things the right way, it actually worked out in everybody's favor. Do you guys have any stories like that? Sure. <laughs> So uh, he's the so matter of fact, on, uh, screwing it, screwing it up. Um, sometimes you get very busy, and little things matter. Details matter, especially in the world of personal injury. So the most important thing when someone first comes in, when they're documenting documenting the date of loss, is to get the right date of loss. The second most important thing is whatever the description of the accident is, is to properly document how it happened, because a year later. Trust me, those defense lawyers are going to get those documents, and if there's a mistake in those documents, it's going to look very poorly on the client and the and the, the chiropractor. So wrong data intake is is a problem, or correct data intake should be the goal. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, on the positive side, uh, I've had cases where I've gotten a call from my friend who's the chiro treating chiropractor, and it's seven to nine days post loss. And they call me up and go, oh my God, I just found something. I think we need to do X, Y, and Z because I think this is what's going on here. I think we caught something. And then you chase, chase that rabbit down the hole and they do some diagnostic testing that may not necessarily be accident related, but it reveals a cancer, an early detection cancer. And because the chiropractor was on it early, 
that person's theoretical life was saved because they got it when it was a stage one and not a stage four. That's awesome. Love that so story. That, uh, yeah. And so both of those things have occurred. Yeah, that's great. Kim, did you want to share any of your fun experiences? Well, no. I mean, uh, you know, a good chiropractor on the stand in trial can be a huge benefit. And, um, you know, they're discussing chiropractic, which some of those jurors don't know what it is. Um, but it's also, you know, discussing this treatment and getting this patient better without drugs or surgery, which is a good thing. So, you know, if the chiropractor isn't running up the bills, $20,000, $25,000 unnecessary treatment, isn't hoarding that patient, you know, and referring that patient out when the patient needs to be referred out, the doctor can do a tremendous amount of good for um, the lawyer in, in the case of a trial. The clinical practice guidelines that exist for the profession, you can find them on clinicalcompass.org. Um, all you got to do is read those guidelines and you can prescribe an appropriate evidence-based treatment program for your patients that would and should stand up in court and does, because I've been in court, stand up in court every single time. And so a little bit of information can go a long way when it's based in science. So that's my, that's, those are my words of advice for you Kairos out there, like read the clinical practice guidelines so that when you're on the stand, you can actually substantiate the need for care because it's in the literature. Brad, were you going to say so something because I kind of interrupted you before? No, that's okay. I, you know, again, I'm, I'm sort of an outsider in this whole process. So Jay, let's apply a little technology here. How can yeah. using things like electronic medical records and document for documentation, testing, how can that apply here as a Cairo and then Steve and Kim talk about that, how that happens in, in an actual case if it goes to court and stands up in court? I mean, I think EHRs are critically important on so many levels, especially as, you know, more advanced technology comes into play, like artificial intelligence and NLP, uh, natural language processing, where we can really start to understand and aggregate the data that we're, that we're providing inside the EHRs and the outcomes that we're getting for patients across a wide variety of demographic variables and clinical variables. So I, I, the, the ability to take information and data uh, from an EHR in aggregate is is a huge opportunity for us as a profession moving moving forward. But as it relates to just efficiency, like it's way faster for me to do a note in an electronic health record than it is for me to handwrite. And my handwriting is for, for crap. I mean, nobody can read it. And so that wouldn't really hold up in court. So for me, EHRs, um, is a major leap forward for us, and I think we're only going to see we're only seeing right now the beginning of the impact that it's going to have over time from a technology standpoint. But we'd love to hear what Kim and Steve have to say about you know their experience with EHRs compared to let's say handwritten notes. Um, no, I mean it's just to me they're critically important. Um, but when I was practicing, which was a while ago before you know joining the association full time. Some of those records were bad. It was, you know, State Farm would come in or Allstate would come in and say, these notes are all the same. They didn't want to pay for treatment because everything was the same. So um, I imagine the EHR companies have gotten better at that. I think it's critically important to have legible notes, detailed notes, as long as they're not duplicative each and every time. Yeah. Perfect. So notes that I made responsive to that before you spoke, Kim, was no copy and paste. It's the death knell of a case. Yeah. You'll get crushed. Forget. You'll get the audit from the from the carrier if there is a, a collateral source um, um, payments. But if not, the lawyer will crush you with a copy and paste. So with electronic records, uh, I would hope that as best you can as a chi practicing chiropractor, you make it as personal uh, as possible per patient. You're, you're there, you're the frontline, boots on the ground person to help tell the medical story of that patient. Um, you know, the ortho overlayer, the neurologist theoretically are there just to kind of jump in and do their thing and get out. But you're there every, every couple few days, every few weeks, and you need to be their advocate. And the best way to do that is to make the notes as personal as possible to capture the truth of what happened. That's right. You, you have to be their advocate. You have a ethical responsibility to tell the story. And by the way, it's good for your business because if you put the time and effort into the notes, you're doing right by the patient, but you're also doing right by your practice. So that's, that's critically important. I really appreciate that feedback, you guys. And um, I've seen, let me just say that I've yeah. seen um, the large insurance companies who have endless amounts of money to spend, um, they've collated all of those doctor visits for, say, 
six, seven, eight, nine different patients and they'll redact the patient names and they'll put it next to each other. So you have, you know, 25 patients and all the records are identical. Just not a good look when you're on it, the stand. Nope, it's nuts. It, it's nuts, Kim. So I have a, I have a question. We're going we're gonna to pivot a little bit. And I, I wanted to know a little bit more about... Um, you know, treatment plans and, you know, what do you do if an attorney is trying to dictate the treatment plan to the provider? You know, they're playing quarterback essentially for this patient and their care. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on this? Should this happen? Um, what, what are good responses that a chiropractor can give to the attorney when this happens? I would love to hear you guys' thoughts on this. So this is important early and often. Um, treatment plans. Now listen, as a practicing lawyer, I am not going to overstep my bounds and tell you how to treat a patient. What I want to talk to you about early is the limitations of insurance. If it's only a 25 policy, then you need to know that early so you can do what you need to do from an expectation standpoint. If it's a large policy, then all I care about is if I have good relationships with the chiropractor, then I know that they know how to do a treatment plan. They know how to, when appropriate, get the MRIs ordered. When they, when they have a, a, a chronic headache for three to four weeks, you better get a neurologist to take a look at it. Um, it you know, if you have the radicular pain in the extremities, or even, even if it's just localized, get the MRI, get an ortho overlay. And again, if, if you never work with a particular chiropractor, there may be a tendency to have that discussion. And that could be a little off-putting. But if you have a relationship, you've been down this road before, no problem. At the end of the case, at least in Florida, I want a final report an over, overall report of the care and treatment that was rendered. I'm okay as a practitioner paying a separate fee for that report, right? Because you're gonna spend time to put it together. But it's gonna be what ultimately will be your narrative when you testify in court. Yeah, your, su your you summary of the entire your summary of the entire case essentially, right? Right, so why not do it? So I'll pay you for it and then so go and do it. But it needs to contain certain things. Yeah. And then once you do it one or two times then uh, that relationship should flourish. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me that the chiropractor should always be able to to tell the attorney what an evidence-based program looks like and why they're making the clinical decisions that they're making and certainly keep the, the communication going as it relates to advanced imaging that's needed or ortho or neuro referral. I mean, that, that seems to be a no-brainer to me, right, Kim? Well, yeah, sometimes in states like Florida that has that $10,000 of PIP benefits and there are other states that have that um, sometimes there are doctors who want to retain the full $10,000 and they don't want to see beyond the other treatment. Um, it drives it and that's been some of the criticism with our no-fault system um, you know for years but it's been around since I think 1977. Wow. So um, it seems like a no-brainer. I mean Steve he does mediations for the last four years now he sees those bills coming um, all the time. What do you have to say about that? So I, I, I'm going to take the statement and say, hopefully in Illinois, it's not like this. <laughs> because even if you get outside of the lower half of Florida, it's not like this. But in South Florida, from Orlando down, Tampa, Orlando, West Palm Beach, Fort Lauderdale, Miami, believe it or not, there are chiropractic bills that run between twenty and $35,000. That's just nuts. Now, That's just nuts. It sound, when, I first, when I first told Kim this, she absolutely thought I was had seven heads. <laughs> and I could show you dozens and dozens of And I was in North Florida. I was in Tallahassee for a long, you know, first Orlando, but then Tallahassee. And it's definitely different there. Yeah. So when you talk about a discussion of a treatment plan, you know, if there's a 25 policy, your bills... I'm sorry, your bills, if they get north of 7,500 bucks, it's gonna be a problem. Yeah, it's it's been so rare that our bills are anywhere remotely close to that, the way that we treat our patients. I mean, we, we treat our patients the way that we treat our patients regardless of the payer. And so that's what we do. And you know what, I sleep pretty good at night. I'm pretty happy about that. I may not be the richest man right, in the world, telling, but I certainly sleep well at night. Expectations and candid honesty. The, the, no, med, no defense lawyer in, a, in South Florida gives any credibility to a chiropractic bill that's twenty to 35000 yeah. It kills the yeah. case. 
because it's just gouging. The, the other issue is is also related to the profession as a whole, right? Like we've had this uphill battle ever since the AMA created this committee on quackery and, and, and you know, chiropractors were going to jail on behalf of taking care of their patients. And finally, legitim- legitimacy really has arrived in chiropractic. I mean, the, the scientific evidence is clear. You got publications in Lancet and Annals of Internal Medicine and clinical practice guidelines that support what we do every single day. There is no question about what we do and the, the, the legitimacy of providing a comprehensive multimodal approach to musculoskeletal care using adjustments and soft tissue work and rehab and all that good stuff. Somebody delivers or a group of chiropractors deliver $35,000 bills on every single patient with shit documentation and all that does is tear the profession down and it makes it bad for everybody else. So yeah, it pisses me off. It just pisses me off. One last thing I want to touch on uh, when we're talking about helping the profession. Uh, you touched on the AMA. In Florida, there's a, not in Florida, the AMA put out a book called the uh, American Medical Association Guides to the Evaluations of Permanent mm-hmm. Impairments. All right? And that is the Bible when it comes to uh, diagnosing and documenting permanent impairments. And so whether you're an orthopedic, a neurologist, or a chiropractor, that should be the basis of your opinions. Yep that I have followed the care and treatment plans of the AMA guide, and as a result, we've met this criteria, this criteria, this criteria, and that results in a permanent impairment of X amount. You can have the book, you go to page and line, and it, you're documenting your job. Yeah. And you're and you're helping the patient who might have some sort, or does have some sort of permanent disability or impairment, and you know they, they need that opinion, they need that official opinion to help them with their case. And the attorney obviously needs it as well. Well, importantly for future care, because their lawyer is going to be asking for future care and treatment. Right. And so if that's properly documented, then there's going to be money in there for the future care and treatment for that patient who needs it. Yep. A hundred percent. I want to talk a little bit about referrals. You know, we, we touched on it earlier about referrals to, you know, for imaging or for other specialists. Um, you know, what, what do you think the role is of the attorney to dictate where those referrals go? Like, I might have an ortho that I just absolutely love, you know, and, and I trust that ortho not to cut every single person open six ways from Sunday. Um, but I want an opinion because maybe they're not responding to conservative care as quickly as I would like. Uh, but the attorney wants us to send to some other dude. You know, wh- wh- what are the lines that are drawn and, and how, how can chiropractors respond when there's not agreement on the referral that needs to be made? Kim, you want me to yeah. take that? So let's go back to what we started off with, and that's that relationship with five or six, four or five uh, uh, lawyers and chiropractors. There should be these discussions over coffee. All right, spend the time to develop your relationships and say, well, who's your network? Who do you who do you like working with? Well, I like working with this person for these reasons, and have that discussion well before patient A walks in the office, so that's already understood where that patient is going to be directed if needed. Yeah. All right. If you never work with that person before, there's going to be some desire from the lawyer's part to quarterback. Because if I can get you to send all your patients to the orthopedic X, that may result in orthopedic X sending me some That's work. That's right. 100%. Okay. Yeah. And it happens. And diagnostic testing. If I can get you to send all your cases to the to, to uh, MRI Center Y, and oh, by the way, I might have a financial interest in MRI Center Y. You can't because self-referral, self-referral, but I can. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not cool. And so you need to know these things before you get involved. There's always a reason why someone's trying to direct where and who to go. Yeah. To. You just need to know what that's it is. That's great feedback. Kim, any other thoughts on that? No. He's right. That's <laughs> it. That's true. You agree? I totally agree. There's always a reason. Yeah. It's just like everything, Jay, relationship, relationship, relationship. You know, our previous guest that we had last week talked about relationships. And and again, it seems like it applies here. I've got a quick question for Kim and Steve. Do all PI cases end up with a lawyer involved? Are there cases where the payer just pays it? I mean, do most of the cases roll into an attorney kind of a relationship? What part of the country you live in? You know where I live. Right in the middle, man. I'm just saying. My point is, if I, if the answer to that question, geographically in South Florida, the answer to that is yes. Yeah. It's, and it's a very interesting business that probably we don't want to spin off into right now. But yes, most of them are, are wrapped up very early post-loss. 
it's super interesting for me because you know we have again a handful of attorneys that we refer to and we recommend that our patients get an attorney because the insurance company is out there to totally screw them and at least if we've got an ethical attorney in their camp that's going to protect them then we want that to happen we want their medical bills paid we want to make sure that they've got all their rights as it relates to their auto repairs and lost wages and all of that stuff and, and like why should they have to deal with any of that nonsense and ultimately I think it's worth hiring an expert to help you through that entire journey let's remember insurance companies are in the business to obtain premium and not pay claims and that's how the company makes their money and billions and trillions yep okay so so, so they're not in the business of paying claims they're in the business of denying claims whether it's health insurance or any and or liability coverage, that's where they make their money. Yep. Yep. No kidding. You mean and payers? There are studies with. There are studies. Let me jump in one more thing. There are studies that show that the um, uh, settlement value of personal injury cases with attorneys and without attorneys are at least two to three times higher. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. So, so Brad, it's just shocking I think we have to, to take a break, right? Do we we do, but it's just shocking. It's just shocking to me that you think that payers don't want to pay the bills. I mean, that's just uh, just amazing. <laughs> it's an amazing thing in the insurance world. Shocking. Shocking. It's just shocking, isn't it? All right, guys, listen, we're going to take a quick break. You're tuned in to Tech Talk. I'm Brad Cost, my co-host, Dr. Jay Greenstein. We'll be back in just a minute. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Infinity. In the modern age of electronic data interchange, Infinity is committed to helping clinicians get paid fast so that they can spend less time tracking claims and more times with patients. As a pro advocate for the healthcare industry, we create tools that make sense for electronic claim processing and business analytics. Couple that with superior support team, and we strive to ensure that your business is performing at its best. Infinity, committed to the future of claim processing. Hi, I'm Dave Klein, co-founder and director of business development for PayDC, the chiropractic industry's leading developer of cloud-based integrated practice management software. PayDC is fast, easy, and affordable to use. PayDC will significantly help you improve your practice in three main areas. Number one, it will help you reduce the amount of time needed for training. Number two, it will help you increase your revenues, both from insurance companies and your patients. And number three, the system is based on federal law, improving the quality of your documentation and helping you tell a better story of how you care for your patients. And the data doc of talk is Tech Talk. He's got my back. He always seems to know right where I'm at. My friend Jose, he likes to play. All right, everybody, it's Dr. Jay Greenstein here with Tech Talk, my good friend and co host, Mr. Brad Cost. And other great friends, Ken Driggers and Steve Jaffe. Guys, thanks so much for being with us today. So excited to be here with the ICS presenting this really important information on personal injury and all the challenges that we face. And, and you know, this, Brad and I speak a lot on technology, as you guys know. And I want to kind of close out this segment talking about the technology that insurance companies use essentially to profile doctors. So. Um, it's called Colossus, and um, and it's a it's a big data tool, and it's an analytics tool. And maybe Steve, you could tell us, and Kim, you could tell us more about um, how Colossus impacts. Um, it's okay, you can go ahead. How Colossus impacts uh, providers? Sure. So I can remember back as far as maybe twenty years ago, uh, we started getting offers on on PI cases, personal injury cases in very bizarre numerics, $10,428.57. And it, the plaintiff lawyer would be like, that's ridiculous, you know, you make a demand, you make a demand for five, 10, 15, 
$50,000. What are you doing? You'll make offers of one, two, three, four, five, 10, 15, 25. What's this ridiculous offer? And you were told that um, the following, uh, the medical bills are all inserted into a massive computer so they can have a massive database nationally. All right, because these are massive billion dollar insurance companies. And as a result, once you submit all those medical bills, number one, they're analyzed and they're reduced. It's the same type of programming if they had a PIP coverage or med pay coverage used to reduce your medical bills. Didn't meet the CPT codes exactly, there were some errors. But it really was used in the bodily injury world to establish value the way the computer says the value of the case should be based on geographic area, based on the amount of the medical bills, what was unpaid, but it never took in the human factor, obviously. There's no human factor. Crush injury, how much the property damage was, what were the speed of the vehicles, uh, whether if it was a slip and fall, you know, did your head hit, smash into the ground and bleed? There's no way to input that data into the computer. It was, it's purely medical bills in, reduced medical bills, net, and then, and then this is what the offer will be. And it's all computerized and major billion dollar companies are using that um, to, to the detriment of all consumers because it's, it takes the human element completely out. So Steve, um, you know, you're, you're in court, or Kim, you're in court, and you know this, the, the, the defense attorney says, look, we use this incredibly expensive computer programming with analytics, and it tells us exactly what the case is worth. And this is what we offered the plaintiff, and they should take it because we've got analytics on 10 billion people. And then, Steve, you go in with your argument that this is complete bullshit. It doesn't take into account the human factor at all. What do the, what do the judges say, you guys? What are the experiences that you've had with judges? Do they buy into the Colossus bullshit? Or do they understand that it's just a way for insurance companies to reduce bills and add to their billion-dollar profits? Kim, you want to talk about a pip suit as it relates? Um, sorry, I was just looking online. Oh. Personalinjuryinstitute.com Colossus Mastery Program. So, and I'm sorry, I wasn't hearing that question, Jay, so much. That's but okay. I can take it. There though. are programs you that, you know, there are classes that you can take to rebut this Colossus program. Cool. But what on the so let me injuries? PIP? Yeah, so hold on really quickly. Can you get Yeah, her, so let me say, let me, let me answer Jay's question. Yeah, really quick, I'm sorry, Steve. Kim, can you just share that, just what that link was again? Personal injury what? Yeah, personalinjuryinstitute.com. Okay, don't know if it's good or bad, but hey, it's a piece right. of information, so thank you, Kim, for mm -hmm. sharing that. Steve, go for it. So, two direct answers. Um, number one, the Colossus will never be discussed in a bodily injury liability lawsuit. Hmm. That's why it's a weak tool, because once you enter litigation, none of that is admissible in evidence. Okay. Cool. And it's, they don't want in a it pip suit, confidential. In a, Proprietary yeah, that's proprietary. That would open up the lawyers to discover all the proprietary nature. So that goes out the window. All right, they'll just go in and say, they, they, and you don't talk about uh, in Florida. You don't talk about prior offers and negotiations. None of that's admissible. Okay. You start from day one: auto accident, slip and fall, injuries, value, give me money, defend the injury, defend the liability. But in a pip suit, there's this medical bill reduction discussion. And in a limited sense, um, some of this could be, that's where all the discovery was done on Colossus and exposed for what it was, uh, is in the pip suit realm because they had to justify their medical bill reduction somehow. Right. And, and were, and so they, they were, and tied were to they it. able to justify it, Steve? Uh, in Florida, pip suits lost at the rate, I, I, Kim, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a comment that I think pip suits come out in the plaintiff's favor well in excess of 95 percent well, i don't know the number but i would say you're right on the higher end because That's, the average person wants those bills paid but again right. if you have some a doctor that's treating you know five days a week or three days a week for months and months and months yeah medical necessity is an issue and it's going to yep. be an issue Yep, great point, Kim. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. So, um, any other any other ideas around resources that we can share with the docs who can learn more about managing these types of cases appropriately? Any other thoughts? I love the disability guidelines. There is a there in every in every state. There's a database of what carriers are in that state, and with the proper information and the help of your client, you can get involved. Get you can get 
on that database to try to determine quickly whether or not there's coverage and in what amounts. Wow. Um, Kim? That's great. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I don't know if the doctors so much get interested in the value of a case. Um, in going to trial, you may just because you know what your outstanding bills are. But, you know, again, it's that relationship with a personal injury lawyer. Um, you know, this is a little off topic, but um, I get calls all the time from doctors saying, oh, I'm, I'm going to have my deposition taken and, you know, what do I need to look out for? Well, that's the problem with the, the doctor should be help prepping you. You know, you need to go over your notes and make sure they're legible and all of that. But sometimes I'm very surprised at the lack of, um, I'd say, hand-holding a little bit. Because how many cases go to trial? Not that many. Not many. So, you know, it could be the doctor's first time going to trial. Well, he's going to need a little prep, a little hand-holding. Um, so I always advise our members, you know, if you're represented, I don't represent you. So, um, you know, I'm not the one to talk to. And it is your patient's, you're not represented by that doctor or that lawyer. It's your patient's lawyer. But if a deposition's going to happen, you need to be prepared. Yeah, and so, and so even if the, yeah, that's great, great advice, Kim. Thank you. So even if the attorney doesn't reach out and say, hey, let's schedule a time for us to talk for 30 minutes about this case, oh, yeah. I'm going to prep you. The, the chiropractor needs to reach out and be like, hey, attorney, let's sit down and let's talk about this case so we can be prepared. Here are the, here are the concerns I have or here's where I think we have an Absolutely. issue or whatever. Right? Yep. No doubt. Um, guys, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah. Sorry, Brad. Yeah, absolutely. No, I was just going to repeat relationships again. It, You know, I've sat here and listened to all of this, and it, it seems to boil down to maintaining those relationships. Call upon a trusted friend instead of a total stranger. Listen, Kim, yeah. Steve, and thank I just you want to say spending. I want to say one other thing. Wait, I just want to say one other thing, Brad. Sorry, I know there's a little bit of a delay. So um, it, it definitely is about relationships, but and I don't want this point to be missed. But it's also about ethics, because in the realm of risk management, handling a patient the appropriate way, clinically, administratively, financially, is is what the expectation is. Period. End of story. And so it is about ethics and the the the. The ethical folks reduce their risk, and the unethical folks increase their risk. So, um, so just I, I didn't want that point to be missed because we've talked about like bills running on and treating patients too long and running up the bill like totally inappropriate, not good for the patient, not good for chiropractic, uh, and potentially not good for you either if you're doing it. So, be ethical, Kim. Um, a little bit on that as well is you know I get calls from um, doctors saying either. I got paid 10 cents on the dollar, full and final settlement on the check, or, um, you know, this lawyer just took all the um, control over the case and sent him my patient anywhere and didn't um, use my advice. And the answer is, don't use that lawyer again. Don't have a relationship with that lawyer. If you don't get paid, or if you're treated badly, or if that lawyer is really quarterbacking care, you have a choice, and that That's choice right. means don't use One and done. Right? One and done, yep, 100%. You have yeah. a choice, Kim. Love that. Great, great, okay. great advice. Thank you. So, Brad, it's another week. Well, Jay, another week has gone by, and it's been great. Uh, right. Again, thank you for joining us on Tech Talk today. We greatly appreciate it. I look forward to seeing you guys here in a month or so and uh, uh, dinner with that. So thank you very much. From Dr. J. Greenstein, I'm Brad Cost. Have a good day. See y'all.